What's up, guys? It's your boy, Johnny Bananas, and I'll be covering all the treachery, deceit, backstabbing, and murder from season two of The Traders U.S. on my podcast, Death, Taxes, and Bananas. I'll be joined all season by my fellow castmates to swap stories, provide all the behind-the-scenes antics, and sordid details from filming. So sally forth and join me for season two of The Traders every Saturday on the Ringer Reality TV podcast feed. All right, welcome back to another off-season podcast of The Pod Has Spoken, and we are covering Game Changers of the New Era. Riley, what did you think of Bruce last week? Was he extra Brucey? <laughs> I think he was just like the exact amount of Brucey I expected. He was. like He hit. He only has one level of Brucey. It's just, it's like on or But it's off, bullseye it's every on. time. Yeah, yeah. it's bullseye every time. Yeah. Like the fact that we asked him if he could be on any season throughout the annals of history, he chose his own season to start over. Yep. Could have done anything different. What would you have picked? I mean, I've been on pretty much all of the greats except for maybe All-Stars, and that was before my time. Like, for real. So it would have been All-Stars? Probably All-Stars. Okay. Because, I mean, Token Chains is widely revered as one of the greatest all-new cast of Survivor. Yeah. Like, first-time players. There's a lot of great folks on that season. That's, that, that's no doubt about it. Right? See, there you go. From uh, Gabler himself, the game changer, uh, Mike Gabler. That's how we're going to introduce you. Right on, man. I like it. I, I've, I've been called much worse. Have you? <laughs> Before or after your time on Survivor? Both. <laughs> <laughs> so with us today is Mike Gabler. And uh, let's get a few things out of the way here first, Mike or Gabler. First of all, what do you go by? Because I called your cell phone and I had to leave a quick message and it said Mike Gabler. But then when you called me back, you said Gabler. Does everybody call you Gabler? Are in professional situations, are people calling you Mike? Like what, what is the protocol? Everybody calls me Gabler and has for such a long time. You know, Mike is clearly my name, but there's a lot of Mikes out there. Yeah. I work in the operating room. So having several Mikes on the team in the room at the same time never has worked out. So it's always been, you know, Gabler, hand me this or whatever, whatever we're doing. So it's, I just have kind of been that way for a long time. I even dated a girl in high school that thought my name was Gabe Gabler until uh, it didn't work out. It's okay. Wait, but why wouldn't you? Listen, if there's lawyers listening, can we get your name changed to Gabe Gabler? You know, I, I was thinking like Madonna has one name. I could just be Gabler. I just don't need a first name. It could just be one. What do you prefer? I like Gabe Gabler, but if you prefer Gabler, let's get someone. Someone out there will do this for free. Gabler the enabler. That's kind of what I am. So uh, <laughs> that works out too. Okay. Along those lines, you talked about uh, being in the operating room. Survivor, when we watched it, Survivor 43, was very ambiguous about your actual job. Yes. You know, I thought of, I thought about what to say. Yeah. Because you know how you go on the show and you're like, do you, do you say exactly what you do? Do you, do you, do you kind of like, like last season in 45, when we had three lawyers on there and only one cop to being a lawyer, the other two were like, I'm not going there. So yeah. I thought about it strategically going on the game. 
And I was going to say I was a fancy plumber because okay. if you look at me, you know, I kind of, you know, I've, I've got a bunch of tattoos. I kind of, you know, unusual looking guy. And you wouldn't think I'm a, I, I put the other heart valves, but that's what I do. And I was thinking, you know, heart valves are, we fixed leaky and clogged up heart valves. So I kind of am a fancy plumber. It's not really a lie. It's a little bit of a stretch. Okay. But then I started thinking about it and going, you know what, we're going to be without food, all that other stuff. And I, I just don't want to slip up. So I just said exactly what I did. And I'm a heart valve specialist. And even though that is a little ambiguous, what I do would take a long time, you know, a paragraph to kind of explain. So it just kind of was the easiest. And also I could focus then on, on telling other tall tales and not worrying about coming undone with one of mine. Yeah. I I mean, worst case scenario there, you say you're a fancy plumber and then you have two plumbers on your tribe and they're like, well, what about when you do this and this and this, isn't that crazy? And then you'd have to be like, shoot, I should have, I, I should have like learned more about plumbing. So what is your exact job title? Not a doctor. Or so a I'm doctor. not a doctor. I'm not okay. a doctor. I'm not a veteran. Um, so I, I am my title. I'm a heart valve specialist and okay. I'm, a, I'm a field clinic, senior field clinical specialist. And I work, I put together heart valves and then I look at, at CAT scans, x-rays, all that kind of stuff. And I help put together the case plan. And then like tomorrow we've got four, four hearts lined up. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to fly to Portland after this. And then I'm going to, we, we will review them in the morning. The ones we did, the review a few weeks ago, and then we'll do those. Uh, and then we'll review some of the other guys, but that's what we do is kind of put the plan together. And then I go into the OR with the, uh, the cardiologist and the surgeons. We, 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 we we gain access, all that kind of stuff. We put it, put, put the heart valves in. So when you're saying you put the heart valves in, are you helping direct the cardiologist or at that point, the cardiologist knows and you're just like, well, wh- what's your purpose there? That's a great question, Tyson. So the way I explain it to my, to my parents, and this is the easiest way, it's like, you know, whenever yeah. the airplane is pulling up at the, at the terminal and they're, they're trying to dock with the gate, and there's a guy on the ground with orange flags, kind of like a little bit this way, a little bit that way. I'm the yeah. orange cone guy. Okay. So, you know, they know what to do, obviously, and I'm there as just an expert because even somebody that does these, you know, if you do these once a week, you know, four or five hearts a week, I do this every day yeah. and I've done this. I'm actually older than some of my clinicians now, so I've seen thousands and thousands of these cases. So for me, having that experience where I'm like, you know, I, I think some, you know, if you come in from a little bit different angle or you use a different wire or something like that, I have some of that expertise to share. And, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, you know, and if you can avoid trouble, especially if you're dealing with a heart, it's a good thing. So uh, my, my shining face is usually uh, well-received in those situations. Yeah, I would say the heart is like top 20 organ in the human body. <laughs> it's definitely a top, it's, a, it's an important one. So, okay, good. We got that out of the way uh, because it was so ambiguous. It was like, I have friends that are PAs and they, you know, they, you go into a doctor's office and they're like, here's our PA. And then you get somebody that's like, I want to see the doctor only. And then, so then the PA is like, starts like being a little more quiet about their titles. Cause they're like, I do more than the doctor in this situation. Anyways, <laughs> I'm more of an expert in this thing. And then it's like a whole thing. So I was like, is Gabler being quiet here? Like hinting that he's maybe a doctor, but he's maybe not like, I don't know. Like we never, we never got the full scoop. So I'm glad we cleared that up. You are here, Gabler, initially game changer because 
of your philanthropic. Is that right? Yeah, Fred, sure. Say the word. Philanthropic. Philanthropic. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Charitable <laughs> donations after you won Survivor. But you've also become a game changer in that of all the seasons we've done this podcast, you are the only one that's been on the call early. Ten minutes early, I get a text from Gabler standing by. Riley, can you believe that? Is that insane? Ten minutes, Ten minutes early? early. Oh my goodness! It's what we do, you know. It's, it's my operating room coming through, right? We're always, we're always there early. We're ready. We're prepared. All that kind of stuff. So I, I appreciate that very yeah. much. No, we appreciate uh, being punctual like that. That's uh, always high marks in my in my book. If you're punctual, so let's get into it. Riley and I went back and forth to figure out who the game changers of the new era were. We came up with four people. You, not only the new era, but I think all time are the only one to have donated the full amount. That's true. uh, The full winning amount to charities. And I want to get into all of that. Let's start from the get-go. How many times have you applied for Survivor and was it your plan to donate to charity from early on? Man, I tell you, I, I've applied for Survivor exactly one time. Good. That's all wow. you need. It's all you need. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before I turned 50, I always told my wife and kids that I was going to apply for Survivor because it's my favorite show. And what's really cool about Survivor is it's a really flat community, right? Like everybody's a fan and once in a while a fan gets to play. So that's why it's kind of like, you know, like you're a regular guy, regular guy. We're, we're just regular people. But it's just kind of exciting because you go on this adventure and so many people get to go on this adventure with you. And I think that's what's really neat about the Survivor community is how flat it is. Because, you know, like I'll never play football for the Dallas Cowboys, but I could do Survivor again. Never say never. They need some help. They do. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe Got they em. do need some help on that. It's possible. Uh-huh. And I know Danny McRae, I, I have an in over there, so I could get you probably a practice, just practice with the team for a little bit, see how you fit in Jimmy over there. Johnson did do Survivor, by the way, right? He did. Yeah, he's a fan. Yeah. He's a big Survivor fan. Went to a lot of finales before he got on the show, too. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, you know, that, that would be, I'd love to meet Jimmy Johnson someday. I used to live in Dallas. I'm from Texas originally. live up here in Idaho now. But, you know, before I turned 50, um, I was like 48 and not, you know, 49 and 10 months. And my wife was like, you know, it's getting late. You said you were going to apply. I'm like, all right, I'll do it this weekend. So I got up early, made a video, uh, put it together, had a lot of fun with it because, you know, I just was making it for me and my friends and family because, you know, you're not, I mean, the odds of getting called back, you don't think are very high. So you send it in and- Wait, wait, wait. I want to stop you there. That is the key to making a good survivor tape is making it for your friends and family, making it for the people who- know you the the best like that is my advice to people make this tape like you're making it for the person who knows all of your secrets have fun with it and then you're truly being yourself you're uh being vulnerable you're doing all of those things like you can't like that is how you make a tape that gets selected and that gets seen it's really true and i'm glad you paused there because you know i get asked a lot about what to do for a tape or people that are auditioning or what do you do how do you get on Really do something genuine. Be you. Be you on a good day. You know, to, you know, turn it up a little bit, but mm-hmm. have a lot of fun with it. And I just did it for friends and family, and I sent it in. And you know, you always get these spam calls. They come in, you get all a lot of spam calls. Yeah. So I keep getting this three one zero number that keeps coming in, and I'm like, 
you know, I'm busy, I'm running around, I'm a busy week. So I let like four of them go to voicemail. And finally, I just had some time in between a, a case or something. And I listened to it and it says, it's like, Gabler, it's Survivor, call us back. And I, I still was like, okay, who is this? Who is this? It was a, <laughs> a woman's voice. And Riley, I'm like, was it right, I got to have my wife listen to this. I go, who is this? Is this one of my friends playing a joke with me? And sure enough, you know, we're like, I don't know. We don't. So I called up and bam, the next thing we're on, you know, it was really them. And that was really exciting to, to see that come around. And I think what else is cool is, you know, there's infinite possibility out there. You know, you, you can do anything, but if you don't do something, then you end up doing nothing. And people that want to apply, you know, if you want to p- apply, you've got to anchor infinite possibility with necessity by doing a demo tape, send it in because it's not Jeff will not find you on your own. You must put something together and send it in. So I mean, they used to. They used to recruit. Really, Jeff would just walk around and find cool people. That's how they found Tyson. No, really, not, not really. Yeah, Je- Ca- didn't Jeff just find you? <laughs> yeah, he just found me. No, uh, but casting used to walk around like Santa Monica Boulevard and just pick out people that look like characters and stuff. Like wow. there was a time where 50% of the show or close to it was recruits. They still had to make a video. They still had to go through, but they were coached at that point by casting. Now I think it's back to 100% applications and applicants. Uh, I was like somewhere in between. Like I had gotten an email from forwarded a thousand different times uh, and then I responded to it. And so yeah, not like real recruit, but I had like a little in. So, yeah. So keep going with your thought unless I ruined it for you. Oh, no, no. Um, So that's how I did it. I put together a video and, you know, it's three minutes of power. It's kind of hard to put your your whole self into a video, but I just had a lot of fun with it. If you Google Gabler Survivor, my audition video pops up and, you know, you got to be you ever. You can't, you know, some people like Wendell will be at his, you know, he's making a table in his wood factory or doing something. It's just whatever, whatever you do that's you put it together, take a chance on yourself and send it in because it sure has been a fun adventure. I'll say that much. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, people will always be like, I want to apply. I was like, that's one of the first steps to actually getting on the show is getting that application. And Riley, what were you going to say earlier before we chopped you? I was going to say you, uh, you should be charging for all of your, your good, uh, advice on how to get your your thing seen. You're supposed to charge for it now. Yeah. Gabler and I are actually coming out with the program. It's just, uh, (laughs) Twenty thousand dollars a pop, and we will coach you on how to make a dope video. Half of the proceeds go to charity. Absolutely, oh, and that was the other part of your question, and I'll get back to that. So, yes, when we were getting ready to go on the show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they called us. We were, were pretty far down the interview process because it takes months, as you know. And it wasn't a hundred percent yet, but we started talking about, you know, what if, what if we get on the show? If I get on the show and if I win. And I was with a with an old roommate of mine who was uh, who is a veteran who was in the military. We were laughing, and of course, his good friends would do. They're like, "You're not going to win this thing. There's no way. There's zero percent, whatever." So we started laughing. We said, "Well, if you do win, if I do win, what will we do with the money?" And I have a kid. I've got two kids in college, and you know, house payment. I mean, money's good. Everybody would like money. Some people thought, like, "Oh, are you a multi multi millionaire?" I'm. I'm not that. Um, but what's your net worth? You know, I, I do pretty, I, I do pretty well, but, you know, uh, I, I own my house. You can probably see it here. There. Okay. Cool. It looks, yeah, it looks great. You know, I, I did finally finish paying off the house, but we thought about, you know, how great would it be 
to help out people who need the help. You know, I'm going on this crate, this amazing adventure of a lifetime. I'm going to go deep into myself. I'm going to hopefully entertain family and friends and people out there and, and have a great time. But, you know, to come away with that and, and donate some money, donate the, the entire prize was pretty powerful for me. And when I, right when we said it, uh, we were just having a you know a cocktail and and right when we said it, we're like, you know, it's like a key going into a door and just it just unlocked it. I'm like, that's what I'm gonna do. If I get to the end, that's what I'm gonna do because one percent of our our of our nation protects the ninety-nine percent of us. And while I've never been in the military myself, I come from a military family and I have friends that were in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, working in the hospital, we have a lot of patients that are veterans and I've always had an affinity for them. Uh, you know, I I, I Appreciate and have great respect for the sacrifices that they've made for us uh, to keep us free and protected, and that that also goes with first responders. and uh, And for me to be able to pay it forward was important, and it also helped me on the show because you know on those cold nights or really hungry days, um, I would channel our heroes, thinking about what they were going through, and it just it gave. And then also the importance of helping out people because in our country right now. 21 veterans a day on average take their own lives. And that is an intolerable statistic. And we have got to do better as a nation to bring our veterans all the way back home. Because, you know, just getting them back from the battlefield and saying, like, peace out, have a good one, thanks for your time over there, uh, isn't working. And, you know, my granddad always said, you know, talk is cheap, takes money to buy whiskey. So I figured I'd put my money where my mouth was and walk the walk and donate the million dollars to to veterans in need and help with traumatic brain injury, depression, addiction, and of course, suicide prevention. And that money is doing a lot of good for a lot of people right now. I got a phone call yesterday from uh, a kennel that we, we did, Canines for Warriors is, is the group. And what they do is they take uh, service members with PTS or with... Um, a disability for somehow war related or service related, and they'll pair them up with with highly trained dogs uh, to work with them. And there was a graduation last week, and we sponsored them. and And one of the dogs that we sponsored that was trained takes about a, about six months to train one of these dogs. Uh, was linked with a marine, and it just warms your heart. I mean, it makes me emotional even thinking about it right now. Yeah, that, I, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I guess that's probably the dividends you're going to receive throughout your lifetime now. Uh, let's go back to the game, your game. Uh, you're just saying you're like on those cold nights. It gets very cold in Fiji. I don't think a lot of viewers realize how cold it gets. Right? Like the clothes they are on your back are not enough to keep you warm. And I was thinking like, if I was out there and my mindset was I'm playing for charity, I think it would make me play better, not in the same way that it did you, but like I would probably have less pressure to excel, which I think in turn, would make me play better in that I'm not as concerned about, like I'm not fighting necessarily for my future and my and my life. And it's like not as much at stake, but I also, I know everybody's different on that show based on their background and stuff. Like when I got close to getting on the show, I could sense that my dad was getting nervous in that the entire nation is going to see my son on national TV. So he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And in my mind, I'm like, dad, I don't envision a path where I will get paid a million dollars ever. Like I'm a college dropout. I quit pro cycling because I got burned out. 
I'm just floating through life here. Like this is like my, this is my way. Your shot. My shot. And so like, I do think that like playing, I played too hard initially because I felt that where I think if you're playing for charity or something, maybe there's a part of you that's like willing to let go in some of those moments uh, as well. Maybe not. You, you know, it, it, I had a little bit of the opposite where I felt more yeah. of an obligation right. to the people that, are, that need, needed that help. Because when it comes to PTS, and this is kind of an interesting take on this. So we had one of our, one of our veteran patients, uh, he's passed now. His name is Lester Tenney. He was a World War II veteran. He was in the Philippines when the war broke out and was and survived the Bataan Death March, which is a 75-mile trek through hell, basically, with no food, water, and if you even paused on the side of the road, you were killed. Then he got to a, a prison camp where he was there for a number of years, terrible conditions, and then he was taken on a slave ship to Japan where he was a slave laborer, and then he actually witnessed the atomic bomb going off. His prison, his slave camp was across the harbor from Nagasaki. And he literally in 1945 saw the bright light that was the dropping of that. And he knew by the treatment they were getting that we were winning the war. And he was, he probably had about six months left. He says in his autobiography, my hitch in hell. And I love Lester. He's the way we got to know Lester was the country of Japan was offering an apology, a formal apology. They're going to fly over the surviving, uh, POWs and slave laborers for formal apology. And Lester being Lester is like, I'm getting that freaking apology. So he was all ready to go, but his heart was not strong enough to make the trip. And he was not a candidate for traditional open surgery, the sternotomy, pump, all that kind of stuff. So he got online, started clicking away and Lester being Lester, and he's got, he had an incredible attitude of, of positivity and just optimism, which is what got him through his hardships in the war and throughout life. But he found us and we were, there was a clinical trial about 15 years ago going on at the time and Lester enrolled in it, got a transcatheter heart valve done and he went over there and he got his apology and by golly, he came back and he actually helped us lobby the FDA and last month, officially over a million transcatheter heart valves have been placed now. Uh, it's standard of care. It's a wonderful therapy. And Lester was on the cutting edge of that. Very brave of him. Uh, but that's how he got his 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 handshake and all that kind of stuff. But he wrote two books. His second book was called The Courage to Remember about PTS. PTSD is what they would call it back then. But, you know, it's, most people call it PTS now, post-traumatic stress versus post-traumatic stress disorder. Because to have it in a, a severe response to a severe situation is not it's abnormal. It's, it's a yeah. normal thing to have a, a, a response like that. So when I was reading it, Tyson and Riley, I was like, well, that sounds like me. Well, that sounds like me. Shoot, could, it, could this be possible? Because I've never been on a battlefield. But the worst day of your life is the worst day of your life. And trauma is trauma. So you, it, it's, it's very relative and subjective to the person. And, and so while I was you know, I've been in the operating room for over 20 years. I did a lot of trauma for about eight years. And some of the things I've seen and heard, the sounds are, are very, you know, humans are very resilient. We, re we process 90 plus percent of the things that go through us, but some things get stuck. 
And if they get stuck and you're not able to talk about them or process them, you you change. You 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 become distant. You know, I I, I kind of liken it to living in black and white versus living in color. And you you can't love or receive love the right way. You you start to think weird. Th- it's it's very unhealthy. So I, I because of Lester, I started reading more about PTS and. I've been working with other uh, with with clinicians. Uh, Dr. Bill Lombardi is one guy who's very big on talking about death and dying for hospital folks, ICU folks. You know, during COVID, there was a lot that that went down. And in the past, it's been like, oh, somebody dies, rub some dirt on it, let's just go on next case, go home, have have dinner, be normal. That's not really how you process death and dying and, and hardship. So there's a lot of that I've learned and it's helped me personally go through my own experience of healing myself after a lot of the things I've seen. So that's how I relate to veterans also. So you, know, you don't have to be on a battlefield, but trauma is trauma. And, and for me, if you don't get that burden off your back, it will alter you and your interactions with your children, with your spouse, with your friends, your family. You just can't be your best you with that. So that revelation really set me thinking about veterans. What can I do to help this population that's struggling with this? And to be have the ability, because of CBS, because they granted me this opportunity and Jeff Probst, um, I felt a lot of pressure, but good pressure to succeed for those people who were counting on me. So even when I was having a tough day out there, I'm like, you know, you have to you pull it together. You have to do this because there's people out there that 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 will that need your help. And if that million dollars can save even one person, and it's I, it, it's going to save more than that, I'll tell you. But if it can save even one, it's worth it. Yeah. Shout out Lester. Shout out Lester. We get in the game. You're moving through. At what point are you like I could win this thing? and take the money? And then is there a part of you that's like, how much should I donate just half? Am I still, <laughs> is am I committed to the full? And did you get approved? Did your family approve all of this as well? Because I know like, yeah, like that's no small sum. That's definitely- It's life-changing money. It's life-changing. It's life-changing, it's life-changing to most people. And- To me, it would, it, to me, it's like, that's a massive, I mean, I'm gonna have to work another 10 years of my life before I can retire because yeah. I, I just, I. I need them. I don't have that much money. I mean, I have money, but you know what I'm saying? I don't, that yes. would be, to have that million dollars behind me. Big yeah, head that's start. Game changing. Yeah. So that's, a, those are several great questions. And when I got home, so I knew I was going to give away all of it. it, it at, at the point I thought about, I was going to keep 1% uh-huh. and give the 99% away to demonstrate, you know, the 1% protects the 99%. So I was going to keep 10,000 bucks, but I just thought, you know, let's just donate the entire thing. It's going to be more more powerful, and I also didn't tell anybody. I'll, the only person I told was my buddy and my wife that you won or that you were going to donate. That I was going to donate. I kept that okay. completely quiet. In fact, I surprised Jeff and all my castaway friends at the final tribal right. after the final tribal because I didn't want to use veterans to help me win the game. I wanted to win the game on my own and then drop the announcement afterwards because I, I was. I really felt strongly about that. And I'm glad I did because- I don't think you would have won. 
if you would have said this is all going to charity, that you might not have won because that's been used in the past. And I think it's looked as a negative because people don't believe it because you're in a game of lying and deceit. And they're like, oh, yeah, Gabler's just trying one more step to one up everybody. But that's not like I think that people would have disbelieved. And I think it would have hurt your chances. It was way it was way better to win and then do it. And that's what, what we ended up doing. And I remember I got home, you know, because when when Survivor ends, it ends like on a set Saturday night, you know, like two in the you know, midnight, the party kind of over. Then you go back to Ponderosa. And that day, that Sunday at 4 p.m., we flew out. So it was a real whirlwind where you're in the show playing your guts out Saturday, Sunday night, you're at your house. It's Dealing just, with PTS. Boom. Oh, yeah. It was major. It was a lot to process. Yeah. And, you know, I lost 30 pounds in that short amount of time. And I I, I got home and, you know, I, I was super skinny. And, you know, my wife and daughters, I've met them at the airport. You know, we had a good little cry. And, and I talked to my wife because she signed all the papers that I signed before I went yeah. out there. And I'm like, I'm like, I won. And I hope you're okay with what we talked about because I did that too <laughs> with the million dollars. And she's yeah. like, oh my God, that's great. Of course she was. But that was really part of my plan the whole time. And it gave me strength, you know, when I was on those endurance challenges, because I was just channeling heroes and it made me more powerful. And it also, you know, when I was feeling lazy or starting to feel sorry for myself or whatever, I was like, you know, there's there's people out there that have gone through way more than you are right now. And you're volunteered for this and they're, and they did too, but they're going through battle and I'm, I'm playing a game. So for me to be able to, to, to give a hundred percent for them was really important for me. Good. That's good. That's uh, I think everyone was, was very shocked at, at that announcement as it happened. Did you donate the $10,000 on top of the million? Cause the, Survivor gives a $10,000 fee that everyone gets. Was that that? Did you keep that 10000 for you? Uh, yes, a, I did. The, okay. uh, it was $1 million that we went in and whatever they, they paid us for the, the 10000 fee. And maybe there was something else in there too. I, I, I didn't pay close attention to it. But what we did was because when we got out of the game, it was like June 1st. And, you know, December 14th, they announced the winner of season 43. So I had six months to think about what we were going to do with it. And yeah. I know if I, if the money went to me, I was going to have to cut a check to the IRS for 350000 So Even if you donate it straight to charity, if it comes to you, it... If it goes to my bank account, it does. So what I did, Tyson, is I we, we talked to a lawyer, we talked to an accounting firm, so we didn't get in any Richard Hatch trouble with the IRS. Yeah. And there was this thing called a donor advised fund or a DAF. And it costs $25,000 to do it. But every penny that goes into there has to go to a 5013C charity. But the entire 975000 gets protected. So okay. it, it, we were able to maximize the giving and minimize the taxation by doing that. And we did complete giving the final dollar of the million dollars last month. So it just, we just finished that. I saw your announcement. It was, it, it was amazing. It was really, uh, it's just been such a blessing. I'm so grateful to, to Survivor, to, to CBS and everybody for, for helping make that happen because it's changing lives and it's doing good things. And I'm just so proud to be affiliated with our Survivor community and what this did, you know, what we did together to, for these veterans. 
Yeah, and I also want to point out, I think you also donated to charities of other cast members choosing as well and spread yes. the love uh, around for those that were there for other causes and other reasons. Exactly, and thanks for bringing that up. So when I was talking to Noel, Noel Lambert, she's the uh, Paralympian for the United States. She's the girl with one one prosthetic leg out there. Oh, she is. I didn't even notice. Yeah, yeah. She has. She has a. She's a. She's the first. Oh, you gotcha. Yeah, she's the first uh, <laughs> above the knee amputee to ever yeah. play Survivor. She's a rock star, and she's a great friend. I don't know if you've ever met her, Tyson or not Riley. yet, but but we'll have to have her on the podcast this season. I'll reach she's out to amazing. Her. She's competing in in Paris this August in the Paralympics in the hundred meters and the long jump, and so is Ryan Madrano, yes, who was also on season forty three, and she connected him. He's running the hundred meters. He's a beast. So I wouldn't want to run up against either one of those guys. But um, go USA! They're going to be representing us in Paris. But I was talking to Noel because she has the Born to Run Foundation yeah. to help people, underprivileged folks that, that can't afford prosthetic legs to get them. Because I was like, do I create a foundation which people can donate to, but I'd have to run it. And, you know, I've got a day job, which is pretty busy. So, or do I create a fund which once it's dry, it's gone and I can donate to amazing organizations. So after talking with her, it made more sense to do that donor advised fund. So I went that way. But while I was talking to her, she gave me a couple examples of some children that she was helping out who were born without legs. And she showed me this little boy who's scooting around on his bum, trying to play soccer with his hands with some of his friends, and he couldn't afford any legs. And I'm like, well, how much is it to get you know some badass blades for him? And she's like, well, about 10,000 bucks. And I said, well, well, done. Okay, do that. And and I've got a picture of this boy. I'll, I'll have to pull it up for you guys, but it's it's it'll melt your heart. I've, I've got it on my Instagram. But after we, we donated that, I'm like, okay, well, you're going to help more people. And she's such a rock star. I'm like, we're going to put a little bit more money behind her. So we ended up putting 75000 behind her. And then NECA, who also was on season 43, yep. which I didn't meet NECA until after the show because, unfortunately, NECA was voted out before the merge. But when I was watching season 43, she was talking about how if she won – she was going to donate a, a chunk of her proceeds to a all-girls orphanage in Nigeria, her home country. She's American now. She's an American citizen now, but she was born in Nigeria. And, you know, to get uniforms, books, a building, and a meals for a year. And I'm like, how can you not support that too? And she's another rock star. So we also took a chunk out and to help out NECA as well as Noel. And then the rest of it all all went to veterans and first responders. Okay. It, is there a place, I think you posted somewhere where all these charities are listed if people are curious or want to donate themselves to any of these, uh, these organizations? Thank you. Yes. The Born to Run Foundation is Noel's. Waymakers is, is NECA's. And then the, there's 25 charities that we donated to total, 25 organizations. They're listed on Instagram as well as on Twitter. Uh, if anybody follows me, it's in my feed in there. But they're listed out. These are the best organizations. We vetted them with veterans, with a lot of people who've gone through treatments and things. And these are these are game-changing organizations. I spent a lot of time last year vetting these groups to make sure we had the, the best of the best. 
And, you know, we, we really, I think we hit it out of the park with the right organizations. We did. What, what is that process of like vetting the organizations and finding them? You know, it's, it's difficult to donate this much money. You got to do a lot of work. I was envisioning, have you seen the movie The Jerk? where Steve Martin makes a ton of money off this stupid sunglass, Optigram. nose glass, the optograph. <laughs> and then he's sitting in his office as people are coming in asking him for charitable donations. And cat he's like, jugglers, yes. cat jugglers, done. <laughs> and he's like giving money to everybody. And then he has none. That, that's what I'm envisioning. Like your inbox is like, as you're announcing on national TV that you're giving away a million dollars, how many people reached out from charitable organizations. It was like point. that. It was very busy. It was, did uh, you give was, some to the cat jugglers or no? I, I was in a, I was in my bathrobe with, uh, <laughs> with just like that, with, with writing <laughs> checks out. But a goal in a golden room with red in velvet. Golden room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it was, it was like that. It was a lot going on, but what was, what I did is I talked, I have a lot of veteran buddies from high school and I talked to those guys and some of them have gone through some of these treatments with some of these organizations. And then once you find a couple, you start finding a couple more. And I mean, it was really difficult in December, November, December, when the money was running out, because there are so many, there's so much need out there Mm -hmm. and there's so many great organizations and, you know, you're running down, your, 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 your fund is shrinking and you're getting to the end because our goal was to donate it in one year. We didn't want to, you know, we said we're going to donate it. We're going to do it. We did it. And so I just have to get on and I got to do all stars or something and win another million or so, so I can get back into this because there's a lot of people that still need help. Well, that was one of my questions that I was going to save for the end, but we'll get to it now. You go back, all stars, they invite you back, donating the whole lump sum again. Is there pressure to? I would go back again. I, I loved okay. it. I, I thought Survivor was incredible. I would love to play with, you know, legends like yourself and other, other folks out oh. there that I know would be Thank really you. fun. And, you know, as far as donating again, you know, I'll, I'll just keep that under my hat like I did the first time. But yeah, don't I, tell. I can tell you it will. That's a, if I was a betting person, I would mm-hmm. bet. A, I would. I think the odds are pretty good that that's going to happen again. But I'm again, I'm just going to I, I want to. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're going to have the Vegas odds shift because you've already kind of hinted that you're donating. Then you're going to bet the other line because you've already encouraged everyone to bet the other line and then it shifts and now you're doubling up and then you can donate a million and keep a million from your winnings of betting that you weren't going to. Yeah. Really I smart. See, you know what you, you and Rob, you guys are the poker players. You guys know how to do this, man. I'll have to, I'll have to really talk to you offline after that, figure this out. Uh huh. Okay. So you would donate at least a portion of it, betting. Bet if bet, if you're a better and you and there's lines anywhere and Gibbler goes back, he's donated. If something. I ever have the opportunity to play again, I'll play my heart out again, and then, uh, you know, I will, you know, I love what I do. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. I do enjoy the people I work with. I enjoy the being able to serve the communities that I I live in and take care of people. It's it's what I do. I feel really good about that. And, you know, sure, I, you know, money would be very helpful. And, and, you know, I'd like to do, I have other interests and things. I'd like to go on vacations and adventures and things. But, you know, I also am very blessed. I have a great job and I'll work it another 10 years or so. And then, you know, that'll be that. But um, playing Survivor was one of the weirdest, wildest, coolest things I've ever done. And I've done a lot of cool, wild, weird stuff. So 
yeah, yeah, I would, I would do it again. How about you? You'd play again. I don't know. He says he won't, but I think, I think that he could be talked into it. I could be talked into it, but I mean, I have two small kids at home. I have pretty good things going on here. Sure. I don't, I don't, there was a time when I relied on a large, uh, evil television network to call me and offer me a job. And though I don't, that's not the case anymore. Good. Well, if we're going to call them evil, they might not invite you now. <laughs> I mean, is there a not evil corporation out there? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. There, there's some good stuff out there. We were, we were able to- Listen, I'm joking. Obviously, they're all wholesome. They're all great. All corporations <laughs> I that are for either. the I greater go good. Far. They're all here to help humanity. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I can't win. Come on. <laughs> No, it would. I, I think it would be great to see, uh, you know, because I'm a fan of the show. I've been watching since the very beginning. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd like to see them do something very special for the 50th season. Well, what do you suggest? What do you suggest? Like, let's say Jeff's like, hey, Gabler, let's brainstorm this. It's you and I. We're <laughs> going to create season 50. What are you pitching? This is what I'm going to pitch, Jeff. If, if I was pitching season 50, I would want... 50 players, mm-hmm. five tribes of 10, Yeah, 50 days, 5 million bucks. Okay. And Jeff is like, okay, get the funding. <laughs> do you still do you still have that million? Because if you donate it, we're, we're on our way. <laughs> donate it to the prize pool. I don't think they have the money to do that anymore. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know what they've got for 50, 50 seasons is spectacular. I mean, that is a legend. It's unbelievable. Here's something more believable that they could do. Okay. Season 50. Let's take out 50 contestants. First challenge is make fire. Everyone has to make fire. First 10 guys, first 10 girls. Ooh. That's the cast. Ooh, I like that. That's good too. Maybe you're out there for a couple days as Wait, a. So they, so they fly out 50 people just to fly mm-hmm. 30 of them back after yep. one fire making yeah. challenge. Yep. That's brutal. Yeah. Uh, it's well, brutal, but it's very Squid Games ish, but I like it. I like it. Yeah. That's just how you start off like fire. Don't put fire at the end when like it's boring and like nobody wants to see like two people battling it out in a slow fire making contest for like let's put it at the beginning where there's real real repercussions. Fifty stations, fifty flags, and boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom. yes. And all of a sudden see? it's like done. Done. Air goes off. Done. That's who's going forward. Dude, that's it. that would be amazing. That's, an that's awesome. it. As a fan, I would love to watch that. Yeah. You put them out there, 50 guys, 50, uh, 25 guys, 25 girls. They're all out there. They're at camp. Maybe you have a handful of camps or maybe you just do like a giant edge of extinction type scenario where there's 50 people out there for three days and then two or three days because you want them to interact and be like, yes. what's going on? And yes. then Jeff shows up and he's like, 50 stations. You see the 50 fire making stations as you walk into the clearing and you're like, oh no, here we go. That is incredible. That is an incredible idea. Thank you. With fire being so important and always like the central, like central. fire is life. You have to make fire. You got to like, okay, let's put our money where our mouth is and make everyone make fire just to participate. I, I love it. I think that is a, that would be out the gates. That would be I mean, if that was on night one, that would blow you away. <laughs> right? That would blow you away in the, in the premiere night. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. So 
any other ideas for season 50? Well, um, I love that idea. Um, you know, if I was doing the, the, you know, I would like to see, I would like to see 50 people. Somehow I just want to see a bigger, you know, because I don't want to see season 50 be like season 45, 44, 43, 42, 41. I don't, I think it's got to be a bigger, it's got to be different. And I want to see it like grand scale, you know, massive, massive scale because of that. You know, maybe they, I don't know if they, they keep the prize the same or if they keep it, they move it up. You know, it, it all would depend. When I was thinking about my five tribes of, of 10, I was thinking like an all-star tribe, first boots, mm. runners up, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever you want to put together, but have, you know, you know, all new people have like, have five interesting groups because like first boots, right? You could get 10 first boots that were gone. That would be fun as a fan to watch. And then, you know, 10 all-stars, you know, maybe 10 past winners, whatever you want to do that where you're like, this is going to be good. You know, you're on the couch eating your popcorn. Like this is going to be a serious brawl. Um, And hell, I'd love to see that come out. You do, you do that. And then you have the fire on the beach day one. I mean, let's put both of those ideas together because I love that. And then you can chop out, you know, 20 people. Of 30, you know, 20, 30 people on day one or day, well, day three, like you said, because I do think they should be in the, you should be interacting a little bit, interacting, hungry, beaten up a little bit. And then yeah. you go to that. Holy cow. 30 people go to exile or 30 people go back to the mainland or whatever. Yeah. Go and home. Then you get the straight home. Yeah. Straight. Just that would be straight home. Food. You get to go shower and then the flight's off. Yeah. I, I like there's something there. You couldn't have that many people out there for too long because then you'd have to have food double and sanitation or maybe, and all that well, stuff. Double or even triple the production because you, all the camera crews would, you'd need yeah. to follow all of those interactions. Like it's just too, it'd be too overwhelming. It's a, it's a fantastic idea that you had because you're right. You could still, you could have your cake and eat it too. If you, if you combine those ideas where you had the fire that, that scorched 30 people on day three, of yeah. the thing, which would be the yeah. first premiere episode, that yeah. would be nuts. It'd be really crazy to see that. Yeah, I, I agree. So back to the charity thing, because I was looking at it and I know it took you a long time to donate everything, but because you had it in that fund, you weren't getting like any interest on it or there was interest from that that also went to it or you collected the interest personally. How did that work? There was some interest. I never collected anything personally. So Once that goes, the interest went into the charities. Correct. It did. Okay. It did. And we were, you know, it was, I think it was getting like six, 7%. So Pretty good on a million dollars. Yeah. That's not bad. But we knocked, you know, we kept. You know, half Chipping the year, half the money was out. Yeah. So it was a smaller bet. But we did, we, we were able to make a little, probably that, that 25000 was probably made, that we took yeah. out of it to, in order to make that happen, was probably made up in that, with the interest. Perfect. I asked Bruce this question before we close. You could go back any season. Any season, you get to be a part of the cast. What season are you choosing and why? Wow. That is incredible. I'm a big Survivor fan, and there's a lot that um, I would love to, a lot of people I'd like to play with. Is that what you're basing this off of mostly is the characters on the season? I think it is. I think it is. You know, I mean, I would like to play with, you know, I think it would be a lot of fun to run around with 
well with you, with Rupert, with Sandra, I, with with I mean with Russell. I mean, so your your heroes versus villains. That's then? heroes versus villains over there. Yeah, I mean, it could be a heroes versus villains one. You rob. I mean, some of the legendary players, you know, like I mean, you, there there's a lot of legendary players that go throughout the survivor annals of of time, and everybody when I, when I was when I was competing to get on the show, I went back and rewatched every season with a clipboard, and I wrote down important notes that people would say or or I would see situations where I'm like wait a minute that, that that's a wrong choice if they they're, they're they shouldn't say this or do that and I wrote I had you know 30 pages of, of of legal notepad notes down that I'd had will you ever publish those I've never shown those to anybody because if I ever play again I, I these notes are still <laughs> gold baby they're still gold <laughs> the alligator the alligator doesn't tell secrets till the end did you update that though and watch season 45 and take notes? I have I I'm I'm current. I've seen everything. And yes, I mean with 45, I was I was surprised that they let D stay in there that long. I mean, their alliance held together for a very long time and more credit to her. Mm-hmm. She was the she had several number ones that were shielding around her and she kept it together, but you know, to get to the end if you're Austin, if you're Julie, if you're your Katura, all those folks, they had to get rid of D, but D was just relationship, you know, s- sticky glue. And and she nobody was, was going to sever it on her until she got it done. So, you know, but I, I think there's, I, I think I maybe I will refine that to some tenets, like, like absolute laws of Survivor, because there are laws that I Definitely. think, you know, you've got to hold on to secrets. You know, be careful what you say when you say it, and 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 take advantage of of every opportunity because you know Tyson is built as as much as anybody does how fast that game can change. Yeah, and like so, Tyson, when you're out there on the island and you, you might be at the bottom in 12 hours, you could be on the top, and right. then you could be on the bottom again 12 hours later. So, Tyson, it's like such a roller coaster ride and i think being able to kind of move move at the right time is essential to that game yeah i agree i always have said if you can keep if you're on the top and can keep the bottom people close enough to you that that's really powerful gabler thank you so much for taking the time like a true inspiration and it was really honestly heartwarming uh, to see you donate all of that money to charity and uh, doing great things out there. No doubt, even though you don't have a million dollars in your bank account from Survivor, donating it like that, I'm sure, is creating lots of connections, lots of networking, and most importantly, lots of rewarding experiences for you. Yes, sir. And, you know, I mean, as much as I like it, now I feel like a weird pressure if I ever go back on a show to like yeah. donate when it's like, I still got my kids to take care of. Am I supposed to, like Gabler set this precedent now? That's like it's it's like it, it, it's like the fire making thing where if you win at Final Four, now you have to put yourself in fire making, even though you won and earned the earned the right not to. Now you have to, and now for winners, if you don't donate, like what type of person are you? <laughs> and now we're just making it worse now by talking about it like this. So like. D, did you donate any of your money? Like, where did that go? 
and uh, like not to call anybody out, but <laughs> but, but come on, yeah. guys, like if you're going to win Survivor, like donate some. I didn't know that you could like back then. I didn't know you could donate. So I just it was one of those things that we we just got. I think we got the the right group of people were together talking the right circumstance. Um, my veteran connection, you know, the, the Lester Tenney PTS connection and yep. all of that came together and it was a beautiful point in time that was the right thing to do. I felt really good about it. I had the adventure of a lifetime and to be able to help out folks in addition to that has been a, a, a high honor. And I just very, you know, it's been, I never had the honor of serving in the military, but it was, you know, my honor to serve those who served us. And it coming from a military family, that was, that felt very good to do. And I just know what our heroes and first responders go through and to be able to, to pay homage to them was, was something that I felt very strongly about. And then also, you know, Tyson, in this point in time where there's so much polarization and things like that going on, I wanted to do something because I, I know at core we are we are way stronger than maybe the TV shows us as being right now, and we have so much more common ground. There's so much. I mean, look at Survivor. It's a little. It's a microcosm of the United States. It's such a a mixed up group of folks that they they shove in there on that beach, and to be able to get along with people and to win together with them, then to do something good with it, is what I'd like to see done in our country too. And you know, I, I think that I just was trying to to show people because, you know, you can tell people, but, you know, to show them by playing as good a game as I could play and then to do something positive with, with the money to help, you know, veterans to me are apolitical. They're, they're, you know, every walk of life is a veteran. There's all, everybody is a, is a veteran. So I thought that was something that could be uniting. And I think that anything we can do to kind of unite ourselves and, and walk tall together uh, is worthwhile. So for me, you know, I, it was it was it was just a great opportunity, and I'm I'm very grateful to Survivor, to Jeff, to to you, to everybody that came before me, and everybody's going to come after me. I just love being a part of our Survivor family. Well, thank you so much. A true inspiration and a game changer. First to ever do it, maybe the last, or maybe he'll repeat uh, to donate all one million dollars to charities. Truly inspirational, Gabler. Thank you so much for your time. If you want to see more of what Gabler is up to, you can follow him on Instagram. I know he's there. That's it. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Bye.